How's it going, friends and family? It's time for another episode of Hype is My Superpower. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Storman in Brooklyn, New York, and joining me via the miracles of modern technology for just a little while longer, it's my good buddy, Will Freeland <laughs> in Santa Barbara, California. Will, how you doing? I'm good, man. Well, I'm stoked that you're going to be in Santa Barbara for like two weeks. But Me man, too. That weekend, the Memorial <laughs> Day weekend, is going to be popping. Yeah. Um, another friend of the show. Stu's going to be there. Stu, my, yep. My in-laws are going to be in town. Yep. My night job, the restaurant I work at, is catering a wedding that Saturday. So I have to go and do, I have to go and work that. It's just, it's going to, it's going to be popping. It's going to be trying popping. to talk Carlos into making his way up too. Although, yeah. Although, you know, I, I don't trust a single word that fucker says. <laughs> <laughs> Prove it. Prove yeah, it, Carlos. Prove <clears throat> it. Thankfully he's, oh no, he's, did he get his vax? I think he got his vax. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we're going to be doing it at the park this time. I have all this stuff. Yeah. Very so. excited. Yeah, I'm uh, doing great. This today is the vaccine holiday. Uh, two shots plus two weeks landed today. So Rachel and I went on a bike ride out to the Red Hook neighborhood of Brooklyn. Sat outside with a beer and some food and a view of the Statue of Liberty. And just, you know. That sounds really know. nice. It was wonderful. Had frozen key lime pie on a stick. <laughs> Never done that before. Interesting. Yeah. There's a market for everything. There's a market for everything. Yeah, you just, <laughs> you, you, you know, you see a sign that says key lime pie is this way. And you're like, well, how do you say no? <laughs> yeah, and then you see a storefront and it just says key lime pies. You're like, I sense a pattern here. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome, man. You want to get into it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you got for us this week? What'd you read? Uh, what did I read? Oh, sorry. Um, I told my parents about uh, hype is my superpower and what we do. Um, <laughs> and my and my dad was like, "Oh, so it's a book club." And I was like, "Yeah, oh yeah, yeah." Huh? I guess it is. Yeah, <laughs> I never thought of it that way. It's like, yeah, we just talk about comics. It's our thing. Blah blah. blah. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's a book club. And then here we are, two minutes in. It's like, so what did you read? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> and this okay, take it a little meta for a second. I have a feeling I'm going to get a little meta a lot this, this episode, but like I've been thinking about it and it's like, we're not, we're not like critics really. Like we'll right. say what we like and we don't like, and we'll like pick things apart a little like bit. Like Beast being all... part of X-Force. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's the, we're, we're storytellers essentially, right? Like we're telling yes. the story of different parts of this soap opera that we're both invested in. We're telling it to each other and we're telling it to whoever's hapless enough to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's our thing. That's how yeah. we roll. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so I read three books this week. I was going to read a fourth and then I didn't like the subject and I just I just didn't <laughs> want to hop in it. It was the the fourth book was going to be Arrow and Swordmaster. It's just two characters who were original characters for Marvel Future Fight. Oh, app, app I was going to say, I've never heard of either of them. That's yeah, it's because they're, they're fresh, they're brand new. And I've read the first volume for and, each of them. And you're big into future fight, right? Like I used to be when it first oh. came out. Um, oh, you're, getting, you're on the other one now. 
I'm I'm in uh, Marvel Strikes Force. Force. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Future Fight. I was super into when it first came out, and now I've been getting ads for it for its their sixth anniversary. It's all PVE, and that's the way to go, man. P- PVP yeah. is where everything, all the you have to keep every single character super balanced, and mm-hmm. on so it's Strike Force is not doing well. Anyway, yeah, that that's gonna be for next week, and we're just gonna breeze right past him. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. So I read um, Amazing Mary Jane. What if I ask um, you a bunch of questions, though? Yeah, you can ask me a bunch of questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Amazing Dude, Mary Jane. The the they <laughs> the first volume of Swordmaster and the first volume of Arrow read so fast. Uh-huh. I could tell you everything that happened. No, but like there's zero yeah. substance. Anyway, um, yeah. so Amazing Mary Jane uh, volume one, I was surprised to see. Like it's very much its own story, but there's nothing going on in the background to to be like, yeah, there's this overarching it's an story on, that's so going it is an on ongoing series, yeah. Apparently, maybe it's just gonna be two volumes. We'll see. So I read that, and then I read Black Cat Volume Two. Yeah, on the run. I don't. What does it say about me that Black Cat is my favorite Spider-Man like mm-hmm. romance? Yeah, like of all of the people that he's gotten with. I know. <laughs> I'm all black cat. I can't just yeah. she's so great. And then Immortal Hulk, volume seven. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I it's just wow. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I can only get so into it because I'm not shoving it down your throat, but I'm putting it on your lap and waiting for you to read it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, so we'll we'll touch ish on it, but uh I really like some of the things that they're doing in that. So anyway, so we're going to talk about that one last. Amazing Mary Jane. The whole volume is her going to Hollywood to go star in a movie that is a get to know the real side of Mysterio's origin. Hmm. So the director is this big shot director, like uh, like a Christopher Nolan type okay. person. But then, Lots because of he's... blah in, uh, in this Mary Jane movie. <laughs> yeah. But uh, turns out he gets sent on this top secret antarctic mission to go it's like james cameron where he's super like need to be need to be need to go to the set the the actual place that i want to make a movie of yeah yeah like diving down to the titanic kind of a thing i will take a rocket ship to navi yeah exactly so the actual director is on this island where he's filming the life of penguins and the person who is actually the director on set is mysterio so mysterio in costume is making a autobiographical his version of his story movie oh okay an autobiopic that's uh, yeah that's uh hmm. (laughs) okay yep and so you know sinister six is in it mary jane is the love interest she also becomes she is a crime fighter in it Spider-Man is in it, but like the character is not like Peter mm. Parker is in the other. And it's just it's like that background stuff of things that went off on set. The current the Savage Six gets involved because the Savage Six is led by Vulture, and Vulture is on the Sinister Six, and he doesn't like the way that he's being portrayed on set because set images have been released and yada yada yada. It, it's not a great it's not a great story um 
they they lose some funding and so they have to go around hollywood and try to get some some more money quentin beck is Quentin Beck is Mysterio's real name for those yeah. that don't know. But Quentin Beck is struggling with his attitude and he has a tendency to explode at people, mm-hmm. uh, hence being a bad guy. But yeah, so they're going around trying to find money and to make sure everything goes on set and goes to schedule. This, that, and the other thing happen here and there. Shenanigans. Um, Savage Six gets involved. It ends with Mary Jane fighting off the Savage Six somehow. Savage nice. Six includes the Rhino, by the way. Huh. Um, and she beats him by pushing him down a hill. Um, <laughs> Is yeah. it like, oh, I know you can't stop running once you start, so just keep going that way? She, He starts running towards her, and she kicks him in the like hip, and he falls down the hill and she's like, ha, I know you can't stop yourself. Here's a hill kind of a thing. <laughs> it's, it's not great. There it is. Okay. There, there's him like no form. She yeah. just sticks her leg out and he's falling down the hill. I don't know. It's not, it's not great. <laughs> um, Stegron, our favorite nominative oh, de- declarative um, <laughs> yeah. nominative determinism prize winner he's one on the savage six and and uh and he's a stegosaurus he is a stegosaurus it's just it's not great there's yeah. not much to take away from it it's more just showing that mary jane can handle herself she's sure. currently dating peter parker mm. um and so they'll like check in with each other have phone calls and just yeah. see how everyone's doing okay. um but yeah it's just it's no, nothing really uh major happens in it Sure. Um, I wasn't disappointed because I don't know what kind of story you're going to tell with a Mary Jane as your mm-hmm. main, main character. Yeah. It's like she used to be a club owner, a dance club owner in New York. Huh. And I would have much more wanted to see that story mm. than her going around and flexing her actress muscles and sure. um, like finding money and then personally fighting off the entire Savage <laughs> Six for a period of time. I don't know. It was odd. Sure. But do you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't terrible. I've read worse this year. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't great. <laughs> Fair. Black Cat, Volume 2. Another classic when you have cameos of characters in your title, uh-huh. they're going to act the way you want them to. Because she, like, she has two issues where she teams up with Logan. And he's just not the confident type of logan that has been introduced Mm. as of late um (laughs) however i've never seen them actually show how short he is until (laughs) this issue like nice like him standing next to felicia is just one of the funniest things that's great like (laughs) he's just a little guy yeah he's he's i think canonically he's like five three five he's four. like five two five three yeah yeah and like, <laughs> but like no one ever shows, shows him actually mm-hmm. being short until he's next to like someone like colossus who's like six two yeah yeah <laughs> if i can if i have two wish lists for whoever they cast for mcu wolverine it's make him uh short and believably canadian and uh that's why my my ideal casting fan casting is is Jared that guy Kiso from Letterkenny. Letter yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is he actually short? 
I yeah, he's not that short. He's he's got the build for it. Though. He's got oh the God. build for it, and he and he's oh my, he's just he has the temperament in in that uh, the character in Letterkenny has the temperament of just like good hearted, but really loves to just fight and kick people's asses just for mm. the hell of it. <laughs> there you go. That that's yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So this was fun it involves so black cat is trained by the black fox and so it kind of dives a little into her relationship with him and their relationship with the thieves guild mm. um the same thieves guild as as gambit yeah oh. so okay uh, it actually goes into it spends like half an issue talking about like the origins of the thieves guild um, okay it, where is it, came it from so it's more than just a New Orleans organization? Yes. So oh. the New Orleans is like one of the chapters. Oh, okay. And sure. then the New York chapter, the head of the New York chapter at one point got disowned by the Thieves Guild. Mm. And so they still have their headquarters and such, but they are not part of the International Thieves Guild. Sure. Um, okay. And they and so, oh, that was another thing that I really liked about Black Cat is they name drop little things here and there. And they also do it in Immortal Hulk, but to kind of give you a sense of like placement of where things are going and where we are. So someone that always fights Remy for the title of the king or queen of Thieves Guild is this lady with half a head of hair. Belladonna Boudreaux? Yes. Yeah. So um, she's she's his ex-wife and yeah. the, uh, the head of the Assassin's Guild. Oh no! Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so she talks about let's see, guilds grew and spread from the old world to the new. Montreal, Boston, New Orleans, New York. Shame about the New York Guild. Uh, the New York Guild offended the benefactress, and in return, she withdrew her patronage. And so the benefactress is Kandra. Yes, yeah. Kandra. So Kandra is in this, not Belladonna. Oh, but, okay, okay. Uh, but they talk about. Kandra, the benefactress, and how she is the one that created the Thieves Guild. So Mm -hmm. before she came along, there were like your typical like honor among thieves, people who like banded together and like were like, hey, let's let's freaking go steal things together. But they didn't become an official guild until Kandra pulled them in and Mm -hmm. and like gave them a home kind of a thing. And there's a whole like tithe towards power she gifted them and the assassins guild a chance at immortality but in doing so set them against each other etc etc like you do like Um, you do yeah exactly so she is immortal so from way back in time she's she's always been the one kind of in charge yeah in control so black fox trained castillo drake and walter hardy hardy being felicia's dad and Castillo Drake being this person's dad. Odessa Drake. That's her name. Jeez. Okay. She's got half a head of hair. She's very, she's very Hunger Games. Um, <laughs> but so the two dads were some of Black Fox's, you know, best students, your typical story. And then uh, the Drakes are the ones that um, were at the head of the New York Thieves Guild. Okay. And they pissed off Kandra. Sure. And so she let them go. There we go. So, um, 
So there's this rivalry basically between Felicia and Odessa. Mm. Um, and Odessa goes and kidnaps the Black Fox to piss off Felicia. And so the first part, the first half of this volume is dealing with all that stuff. But it is fun having Black Cat be involved with a thieves guild. And so she's not just like a Spider-Man villain. And yeah. it's funny because she hires Beetle, uh, the new Beetle, who is okay. um, Tombstone's daughter. Oh, she okay. used to be a lawyer, and then she went and got a Beetle costume. And oh, she was in the the um, the Sinister she was, Six she was in su- Superior Foes. Or Superior Foes. That's yeah, it. Superior yeah, Foes yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she was in that. That, that, was, that was when she got debuted. Yeah. yeah, that was when they debuted her as the Beetle. Okay. Uh, yeah. So she has a team called the Syndicate, and so. Black Cat hires her and Beetle's like, come on, I really want you to be on the syndicate. And <laughs> and Black Cat's like, first off, no. And aren't you guys all Spider-Man villains? <laughs> <laughs> and Beetle's like, aren't you? <laughs> and she's like, first of all, <laughs> he's, he's, he's my ex- friend. He's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and she gets called a Spider-Man villain like three times. And it yeah. just, every single time it just rubs her the wrong way. She's like, I'm my own person. <laughs> um, and so it's just kind of, it's fun uh, having that kind of little back and forth thing going around. But, uh, and then it has some times with, where she's hanging out with her mom, which is always fun. Just, see, cool. just seeing, just seeing daughter, mother relationships. Yeah. Um, always interesting yeah nothing like end of the day it wasn't an insane book but it was it was a fun read the way they write felicia is pretty different from the felicia you see in like a spider-man comic okay um mainly because she's she's much more not aloof but like i just want to have fun crack jokes but like first and foremost she is a thief and so like everything she does is, is kind of like she oceans 12s things a lot oceans 11s things a lot oceans the, integer yeah <laughs> um i do honestly so this takes place after she tried to become the queen pin of new york so in superior spider-man when Otto octavius was in control of spider-man's body i was super excited about the two of them crossing paths because i was like oh my gosh they're gonna be the greatest anti-hero couple ever <laughs> Um, but Otto Pete just dives hard into the, you're a villain, you need to be put away. And Mm. so he, he sends her away, borderline beats her and, and like, she is mad scorned and just goes head first into like, okay, fine. If I'm going to be a villain, I'm going to be a villain. And she goes and takes over and kind of creates her own kingpin organization Damn. where it's just all thieving all the time <laughs> um because this is around the same time that fisk is starting to run for mayor okay so sure. uh, and and fisk has been the mayor for quite some comic book time now oh, like he hasn't okay. he hasn't been um voted out or impeached or anything like that he's, <laughs> yeah, he's sure. still doing the mayor thing that's cool. um it's nice yeah. that they would stick with that as a as a status quo long enough to to tell like a full stable of stories yeah it it's it's a huge arc in daredevil is um, that just a trump allegory or <laughs> oh did i say huge i meant huge. <laughs> no 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 <laughs> <laughs> just, just there, you know, there's some similarities there. 
there are, except for his rise to power was very straightforward and different. So his okay. rise to power was in Secret Empire. They put a mm-hmm. giant black impenetrable dome above New York and nothing could get in, nothing could get out, including light. And Kingpin used all of his resources to save and protect the citizens. Oh, okay. And every single time he was there in person, he always said, remember who saved you. Okay. Remember who saved you. Yeah. Remember who saved you. It was not the heroes. <laughs> right. It was me. I saved right. you. And then immediately after he ran for mayor and won by a landslide. <laughs> Makes sense. So, yeah. So no, so, no, no, you know, Facebook misinformation, no Cambridge analytic. No, fair. No. Yeah. So by him becoming mayor, he left a void and everyone right. is trying to figure that out. So, right, right, right. so Black Cat did a whole queen pin thing and it worked for a bit. And then I think she just got tired of it. Um, <laughs> and, like you do. Uh, yeah. And so this is kind of post queen pin. And I, I kind of wanted to see more of that because we will never mm. see that the queen pin stuff when we spend like an issue of Spider-Man being like, okay, this is what's going on. And this is how it's going to work into the next time she crosses paths with Spider-Man or whatever. Yeah. Um, so we didn't get a whole lot of time with it, but it was cool. I also liked her. Um, her outfit was pretty much the same, except it had these like cat eyes on the, like the color of her jacket that she wore. Yeah. It just looked cool nice. <laughs> uh, because it just added some color. Cause she's always black with white fur. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the cat eyes were like orange and yellow and just looked cool. nice. Awesome. Um, yeah. And so, and then she went to magic board cause she had to get a, a MacGuffin and sure. she teams up with, patch and then she finds out that wolverine is patch and she's like are you serious so um (laughs) i love it sorry quick aside about patch it was hilarious how long the ruse of patch not being wolverine stayed while chris claremont was still on the wolverine solo title (laughs) and then immediately after he left everyone's like we knew it was you the whole time (laughs) dude so Black Cat it's, doesn't it, know. There's no, it's I mean, so ridiculous. As soon as you see Patch, exactly. As soon as you see Patch, zero other people that this could be. Yeah, exactly. So like Black Cat, she only knows that she needs to find Patch. Yeah, and so she's going around Magipore and she's like, "Where's Patch? Who's Patch? Who's Patch? Nobody knows who Patch is." And then <laughs> she, and it's this like. You know, your uh, your your uh, four by four uh, cell of just like d- each person that you're interviewing kind of a thing. Yeah. So sure. it goes it, it goes to all these, you know, famous names in Magipore. And then she comes across Deadpool and Deadpool's just laughing. And he's just like, blah, you don't know who Patch is. I'm not going <laughs> to tell you. I'm keeping continuity going. I'm not going to tell you, but um, have fun with that. <laughs> he's just like, eh. Because <laughs> I figured like, someone she's gonna she someone's gonna tell her right. then she just finds patches stash and while she's in the stash room he shows up and he's like the hell are you doing here she's like your patch <laughs> like, okay well at least she figured it out cool <laughs> and so it turns out that Cade kilgore who is oh. the black king of the side hellfire club yeah um the kid hellfire club yes he stole all of wolverine's stuff because he has it out for wolverine because he hates wolverine sure. um and so they're just like okay well we gotta hit him back so black cat and wolverine go to one of his casinos that he has in magic 
And Black Cat has luck powers, mm. specifically like bad luck powers. Okay. Um, that she has minimal control over. Like she can just like turn it up kind of a thing. Sure. So okay. there's this whole scene of like her talking about, she doesn't really go to casinos because it's it's like it's weird. She like uh-huh. she kind of loses control a bit okay. uh, of of her abilities a bit. So she just goes to a poker table and sits down and just lets her powers go wild. <laughs> like she doesn't even play. Like she plays like two hands, but then like people behind her are winning jackpots on on the slot machines. Uh-huh. They're winning big over here. They're winning big over there. They're losing big over here because she talks about how like the overall economy of a casino is very tailored and formulaic and sure. it is tailored to make sure that the, the you know, the house wins. Right. And, and that people she, stay. Yeah. And so she screws with that formula with her <laughs> little, just ability, pheromones or whatever there are. Right. And, and she's like, yeah, house is not going to win big tonight <laughs> <laughs> to the point where a bouncer comes over and because they figure out that it's her. And she's like, I can stay or you can take me to Cade. What's up? Oh, that. that's and tight. That's, <laughs> and so that's how they get up there, and nice. it's it's, it's good times. Cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was a fun read. Um, trying to figure out how much you talk um, about Hulk now. I'm pausing for dramatic effect. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> Immortal Hulk. Okay, there's a couple of things I can talk about <laughs> that I really liked. Um, okay because it doesn't have too much to do with what's going on in the overall story okay um we start the first issue kind of getting to know the backstory of the scientist that is working with hulk and crew okay and and this is where they have little references to things as time goes on in her backstory that i really like so she started working for turk who was Turk Barrett? Yeah, for um, okay. So, comic Turk is a little more yeah um, involved in more than just guns than right. the Turk that we know in um, in, in the, the Netflix. Netflix Marvel. Yeah, and yeah. It so, was cool seeing him pull, pop up in. We, we've had a uh, a recent conversation with the superhero ethics guys, and we were talking about Daredevil. Yeah. and uh, I was talking about Daredevil: Born Again. And it was cool seeing him pop up there. And yeah, very different sort of character. Right. At the time, he is working for Kingpin and overseeing production of MGH, the mutant growth hormone. Okay. Yeah. One of the uh, facilities. And so the scientists used to work there and she goes and pulls DNA samples from this guy named Glowboy and he just he just glows like you can't even see in the picture, but he just glows like okay. he's got bioluminescence. And sure. when she's I'm, talking I'm about all for more useless superpowers in the world. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So his parents kicked him out when his powers kicked in at 14. And she says he had found a mutant community in the sewers, but something had happened. He had panic attacks when the wind was high. And like, mm. that's all we talk about. And then, oh, then it says maybe the X-Men or someone could have helped him, got him therapy, but he owed the Kingpin. I never knew for what. So the Kingpin owed his, owned his blood, a fresh temple every four days. I did what I could to make it easier, but Glowboy always looked tired. But it was like, it's just kind of a cool little, just like he used to be a Morlock. Okay, yeah. 
And then, you know, when the wind was high, so like the whole battle between Storm and, and Callisto. Oh, and so like, yeah. And so somewhere in the falling out of that, he got lost. Mm. So okay. um, just like a cool little placement of like, yeah, it's not just some random mutant that she's working with. Like he has a backstory. Yeah, cool. That's within, you know, Marvel ethos mythos that everyone knows about so yeah so she so she starts out in science like doing that and then she moves from there to go and work doing a black market hormone replacement therapy and then while she's working in that coal studio they get taken down by daredevil and just like little little kind of things here and there and then we go back into the present what's going on here um i I will tell, okay, I'll talk about one. So in this volume seven, the antagonist that Hulk has to deal with is this monster called Zemnu. Okay. Zemnu was introduced, I think in the sixties. Sure. Um, and he is- Right, right part- in the alphabetical list of Hulk's rogues gallery, he's right before Zax. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he kind of looks like if you think of an abominable snowman and you okay. don't think of Wendigo, this is what you think of. <laughs> okay. So he's big white fur. Uh, he has some metal enhancements because he's 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 an alien, but he's mostly robot on the inside, but he's got a whole lot of fur on the outside. And he has giant glowing red and yellow eyes. He is one of the most insanely powerful psychics you will ever come across. Wow. Okay. Like to give an easy example, Professor Xavier needs Cerebro to go and broadcast a message to the entire world. Right. Zenmu, Zemnu <laughs> can just go and rewrite the entire world's memories if he wanted to. Wow. That's intense. Yeah. Good Lord. So in the past, Hulk has proven immune to that telepathy. And without specifically saying it, they kind of go into why it worked this time. (laughs) Okay. And this has to do with the continual exploration of Bruce Banner's multiple personalities and the fact mm-hmm. that there's multiple Hulks right over the over the last 60 years we've seen your base vocabulary Hulk that always refers to himself in the third person right um, we've seen world breaker Hulk who is the king of a planet and yeah. just got in te- was gladiator and well-spoken and pissed we've seen yeah. Joe fix it who's a gray Hulk and just and just a super clever guy we've seen devil hulk which is kind of the hulk that we get at the beginning of immortal hulk we have bruce banner like yeah. there's all and these... then the, the integrated like bruce hulk yeah 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 uh, uh, uh professor hulk professor hulk um, yeah which was the hulk that we saw in the last incredible hulk run yeah right before hulk died in civil war Two. Okay. And so we've spent the last 35 issues, well, really the last like 20 issues, kind of seeing one of these Hulks or another. And we've been given some visibility into Bruce Banner's mindscape and how they interact with each other. Sure. And that has been so fun. Mm. And it's what has, so, okay. 
we loved X-Men Legacy and the, the way they explored uh, Legion. Yeah. And this you is know? X-Men Legacy Volume 2. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And how they worked with Legion and did the whole like getting David Haller control of his own body and all this other good stuff. Yeah. And sort so, of using it as a broader metaphor for like mental wellness and mm-hmm. like. So that is David Haller with his hundreds of personalities and every yeah. personality has a different uh, superpower. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> we see a, ma- a much more condensed version of that in Immortal Hulk. And that is what has kept me coming back. So it started out as the horror Marvel story of the century. And it's been, and like, they, they just have just some of the most gruesome visuals Mm -hmm. in the first few volumes of the Hulk of immortal Hulk. And it's just intense and it's wild to read. Mm -hmm. But as that is going, we spend more and more time, going into the ins and outs of who is the Hulk? Why is the Hulk? Hulk, 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 Hulk. So we've spent a lot of this second half of the run that I've read so far kind of diving into that. And where where did the Hulk, this immortal Hulk that we got introduced to in this run, where did that come from? Yeah. Uh, we get introduced to the Green Door, which connects all of the Gamma related heroes or mm-hmm. characters, including like Sasquatch and Leonard Sampson and yeah. others. And then we get introduced to the One Blow All, which is the oh. newest addition to the Marvel ethos. Um, <laughs> the, the cosmology of it all. Yeah. And so no longer is it like wide, 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 wide up to the one above all. Now, right. it's, a giant, now it's a giant like diamond. Um, <laughs> And so we have one below all, we have one above all. All of the different hells mm-hmm. are above the one below all kind sure. of things, so like Mephisto yeah. and right, Hella um, and et cetera, et cetera. Hella and all them. So, so that's been a lot of fun. But uh, it's funny. So reading this, like two issues in, I was like, maybe, maybe Immortal Hulk has been going on for too long. Like, oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, it didn't feel like the momentum was there anymore. Okay. And I was getting a little bummed because I love it so much. Right. But it, it picked right back up. Sweet. It was, like by the end of the book, I, I was like, yes. And oh man. Okay. So I posted in Hypus My Superpower, the group on Facebook. Yep. I also posted on the uh, Str- uh, Stranded Panda or Ethical Panda that the superhero ethics group is on. Right. I posted in both groups just being like, oh my gosh, Immortal Hulk. Because of the last cell in issue 33 of, this is 31 through 35, issue 33, just blew my mind. I was was sitting at Panda Express, Reading, e- eating my lunch, and I let out just like a what? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was so much fun. Uh, issue thirty five has some. Oh, sorry, thirty four has some four and three page panoramas that were really. I, it must have been so stressful to draw. It was <laughs> so bad for Joan Bennett and and mm-hmm. Javier Rodriguez and all them. Sure, but man. It's been such a great read. I'm having awesome. so much fun with it. I am looking forward to uh, to joining you in that. Ooh, they they uh, they make a reference to the Mandela effect. Oh, um, nice! <laughs> because because 
Zemnu does some rewriting of people's memories. Oh, of course, yeah. And then their arc of how they figure out that their memories are being altered. Because you have a scientist and you have Leonard Sampson, who's a, who is a psychologist. Mm-hmm. They spend time talking about like, is this a Mandela effect? Do you remember actually having a conversation with Zemnu? Do you remember the television show that he says he was on? Huh. Do you remember what? Do you remember what happened in any episode? Uh. No, I just know <laughs> that I've watched it. <laughs> and so it was. It was cool. And 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 cool. Mandela effect. Just, the whole concept behind it just blows my mind. Yeah. It's, and so that was a lot of fun. I definitely find it hard to believe that it was always the Berenstain Bears. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that is really pushing. Mandela effect blows my mind. <laughs> it's the whole idea. It's, it's so annoying. Yeah. It's also, to, in my head canon, it's proof that there are multiple realities. <laughs> There are realities that Kazam exists and that <laughs> Berenstain Bears exists. <laughs> and there's been a merge here and there. I swear, dude. Ugh. Anyway, so Immortal Hulk was great. I would go into more detail about what actually happened in the story, but because it's you, I'm not going to. Right. Okay. When I get around to reading it, yeah. we'll, we'll have to, to just pod out about it. I will well, say, I, I will know when you're reading it because I think you're going to reach out about some shit. So, yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> Sweet. I guess I'll uh, I'll jump in now. So I read four things this week. Kind of five. Uh, it, they'll go quick. <laughs> the first thing I read was Psylocke and Archangel Crimson Dawn. It's a four-issue miniseries that honestly could have been two. It follows, well, Psylocke and Archangel and the Crimson Dawn. The second thing that I read was a one-shot called Strong Guy Reborn. Third Mm -hmm. was a short arc of Excalibur. The fourth was the Daydreamers miniseries. So just for reference again, that's Franklin Richards, Man-Thing, Artie, Leech, Howard the Duck, and the Rigelian girl, Tana Nile, Mm. which, yeah. Apparently she was a character in the 70s, but I hadn't come across her before or since, so... And then the last thing that I read for the week was an arc, a short arc of Generation X. So starting off with Psylocke and Archangel Crimson Dawn. First question probably is what the heck is the Crimson Dawn? So I've talked about some of this on the pod a little bit, but I'll just do the backstory right now. Sabretooth was a captive uh, at the mansion for a few real world years. Logan popped a claw through his brain, lobotomized him, but, you know, healing factor, et cetera, et cetera. They tried rehabilitating him as a hero for a while, and it seemed like it was going to work. He he played a mostly hero arc in the Phalanx Covenant crossover. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was kind of like the Wolverine replacement when Logan lost his adamantium and quit the team. But the fans didn't really like it. So <laughs> editorial quick about face. Turns out he was faking the whole time, uh, <laughs> which is which is a bummer because like he had this interesting sort of arc with Boom Boom. He was like convalescing in the danger room, which was set up to be this sort of jungle habitat where he could just like kind of be a wild animal in the nature. And she was bringing him milk in a saucer and it was kind of like a way for her to heal her memories of her abusive father. Like this is this guy who reminds her so much of her awful dad, but he's like brought low 
and being able to have compassion for him, let her have the peace that she was never going to have in her unsalvageable relationship with her actual dad. So like, that was really cool. I thought that was a, a, a really nice arc. And then they just tore it to shreds because Creed was faking the whole time. And he, one day he decides he has enough. He gets free. Psylocke is, you know, they're all on mission somewhere. So Psylocke is the only one on hand to try and stop him. They fight. He slices her open. She nearly dies. She and Archangel, Archangel gets hurt too. They both leave the X-Men together to sort of recuperate. They really haven't been in regular publication since, you know, they'll, they'll show up like a little aside, like, Hey, remember these guys are still characters, but they're not like an active part of any team and they haven't been for a few years. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. Medicine won't work, you know, for Psylocke, her condition deteriorates. So Logan, Archangel, Dr. Strange, go to Chinatown and meet this cranky two foot tall dude named Gomer the ancient. They go on this mystical journey to receive some substance known as the Crimson Dawn that heals Betsy, but in during doing so they quote unquote incur a debt. So that's the backstory in part of her healing. She gets this red sort of dagger symbol tattoo thing over her eye. She has a new power. She can teleport through shadows. Uh-huh. Uh, her, her personality has changed. She's like more cold and distant. So that's, yeah. The other thing is that not long before this all began, uh, Warren and Betsy started dating. So they have not been dating that long. Uh, mm. But as a result of, you know, her personality changes and all that, they're having like real relationship troubles. And uh, oh, the other thing about the Crimson Dawn, if you remember that there was an arc in Excalibur where these characters who called themselves the dragons of the Crimson Dawn showed up and, and fought Captain Britain. And that was silly. And it didn't have a whole lot to do with anything, except apparently they were trying to bridge the gap between Earth and the Crimson Dawn dimension. Got like a little bit of a foothold or something. Anyway, uh, there's this demon dude named Kuragari. And he also has this red dagger symbol over his eye. And uh, he has this plan to turn Betsy into one of his like shadow warrior minions. And, you know, obviously he succeeds and (laughs) takes her soul as a way to sort of repay the debt. And then somehow, according to Gamur, this means that this is going to be the end of the world. So Gamur sends Archangel down to the Crimson Dawn realm. And in order to, you know, pay off the debt, Archangel uses his own life force, you know, like a portion of his own life force to release Betsy's soul. So they get Betsy back and the two of them beat Kuragari, which only begs the question, like, how is this really the uh, <laughs> going to be the end of the world if the two of them could just go down there and totally <laughs> kick this guy's ass? <laughs> two mutants, one whose ability is to fly. Right, exactly. So <laughs> that's fine. The takeaways from this, one, I'm not sure anyone in the 1997 Marvel office knows the difference between Japan and China because they go to, chi- they go to uh, Chinatown and then, like, you know, it's a guy named Kuragari and there's a bunch of demon, a bunch of ninja shit, but you know, whatever. Uh, Number two, now Warren has this sort of insert uncertain death sentence over his head because of the Crimson Dawn sacrifice, but 
given how they've treated the Crimson Dawn storyline up to this point, they're probably just going to forget the whole thing ever happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like this was the very last appearance of the Crimson Dawn or Gomer ever in comics. So cool. And then the last Hickman one remembers <laughs> He's, it's going to show, it's going to show up in no. Dawn, in Dawn volume. Crimson 16. Dawn of X. Fuck you. No. <laughs> <laughs> And then the last sort of takeaway is that, you know, because of this shared experience, Betsy and Warren kind of reach a new commitment level in their relationship, and they're now free to rejoin the X-Men. Yay. Uh, For what it's worth, I kind of like Warren with Charlotte Jones instead. Charlotte Jones is a NYPD cop that he dated for a little while. I Mm. mean, like, sure, you know, she's a cop and fuck the police and all that but also he's a billionaire and abolished billionaires so like they're perfect for each other <laughs> i never i don't know I, I i i haven't seen a comic with archangel and betsy where like i believed their chemistry they don't have chemistry yeah okay. it's it's a weird pair it's they came together because they were both like hey we've had horrendous body horror inflicted upon us by villains like right. we can we can sort of you know it was relatively recent for both of them at that point mm-hmm. and it's like you know we can kind of commiserate about this or you know this is this can kind of be a thing that we can you know not a whole lot of people can understand this on this but we can understand each other yeah but i mean like even just before house of x powers of 10 they were still semi together like they've yeah. been a very consistent couple right yeah i know time. it's weird but it just it's never felt real <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah totally they're also children of privilege both of them i suppose you know like the braddock family is like a moneyed family with lots of influence and like a ticket into the hellfire club like there was a an issue when they were in early dating where they went to the hellfire club just to hang out and then just like be like okay we've had some fun let's stir some shit up and have some even even more fun and <laughs> just like fuck with the proceedings and rile up the the inner circle but yeah anyway uh the next thing that i read was strong guy reborn so first off he didn't ever actually die uh oh. he yeah he's just been in a coma for a while because of a massive heart attack which i like that approach so much more than just killing off characters willy-nilly like yeah if, if you if you want to just stop using a character for a while like hurt him <laughs> just just like, <laughs> you don't have to kill him every single time because then you yeah. have to come up with some reason on how they came back which is like no it just like he was in a coma and then he woke up you know like like I know I always come back to the mutant massacre, but the mutant massacre at the end of it, like it was so devastating because like Warren had his wings mutilated to the point where they were later amputated. Colossus was heavily injured and stuck in his armor form. Kitty was stuck in her phased form. Nightcrawler was in a coma and Kitty and Nightcrawler were hurt so bad that they quit the team and were shunted off into Excalibur. Mm-hmm. Like it was so devastating w- without a body count, except for the Morlocks, which was a huge body count, but not like <laughs> <laughs> without just like, Oh, we, we killed it. We killed a hero here to show that this was a meaningful right, event. Right, right. You know, like they had actual consequences that felt like 
visceral and real and like terrifying without the press release of like oh we killed off a hero this will sell comics right maybe i'm just too cynical i don't know um (laughs) sometimes it works sometimes it works sometimes it's done well yeah so guido i think was really a, a casualty of peter david leading leaving x factor because nobody else knows how to write him <laughs> it's just like this this mixture of bravado and vulnerability and it, like a particular sense of humor that masks the pain but not in like a pathetic way like mm-hmm. just in a very like i don't know it 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 it's so like feel but peter david like i was saying with hickman and uh sunspot like sometimes you just have a character's voice in your head and you can write exactly what they'll say in any situation and it'll always just make for fantastic material and yeah that's just i haven't seen anybody else do it right for guido yeah so his power is right they work by absorbing kinetic energy and if he doesn't like let it out by punching things it disfigures his body with even more muscles and And he's always in pain and he's in constant excruciating pain. Uh, yes, what a tremendous metaphor for emotional pain. Ha ha, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the thing that brought on his heart attack was he like fought off an alien invasion single-handedly and then a plane crashed into him and exploded or something like Good that. Lord. Like it was, it was intense. It was a cool send-off. Uh, and it was nice that they recognized that they just didn't know what to do with him. And, you know, since he's been in, in the coma, first of all, that was right after... Jamie Madrox seemingly died. He's been revealed to be alive because, haha, it was just a dupe that died. It was a dupe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Madrox has been checking in on Guido in the hospital and in recent issues of X Factor, Guido's woken up. So we know he's alive, you know. But in all that time, X Factor changed completely. Like Havoc, Madrox, and Rain all left the team. Only Polaris is left. So in this, he's back to hanging out with Lila Cheney again. He was originally introduced as Lila Cheney's bodyguard. And, you know, they kind of have a uh, friends with benefits situation going on. And he's her bodyguard and so on. So this one, it doesn't get, it doesn't do the Peter, Peter David Guido, but you know, it's still really funny. Like it's kind of like Guido breaks the fourth wall and like, it's very slapstick. There's this alien race that's uh, trying to kidnap Lila to use her teleporting powers to do a genocide, but she's like, I'm a teleporter. Like (laughs) you can't kidnap a teleporter (laughs) (laughs) and just teleports away. They're like, crap. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll kidnap Guido. But they they get the wrong bodyguard. They get this purple alien dude. And so... He looks like uh, the Max. Yeah, he does look like the Max. And so blah, blah, blah. Wacky hijinks ensue. And, you know, they go off to... They, they all get kidnapped. <laughs> yeah. They all get captured by this alien race who apparently, like, doesn't believe in time or something. They steal the bodyguard guy's watch. And the way that they get out of it is, uh, uh, and he's holding this this vat of acid here that he's going to pour over them. And Guido's like, uh, well, hey, one, one more thing before before you kill me. Do you have the time? <laughs> and, no. And the alien pours the vat of acid over himself. And that, that's how 
that's that's how it ends so the 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 endings uh, you know the epilogue takeaway of all of this is uh Guido get, uh, decides to stick with Lila uh, playing concerts around the universe. And, uh, you know, it really makes him one of like three former team members of X teams that aren't in <laughs> a regular, regular in, a, in, a, in one of the four X-Men team books that have 10 members each, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's it's really just like him and Karma and then like Dazzler and Longshot and that, that's it. <laughs> wow. But anyway, yeah. So uh, the other fun thing is at the end there's like this maze and a paper doll and it connect the <laughs> dots and just like you can really tell that they're going for a different sort of tone and that's fun. The next thing that I read was Excalibur and at the start of the arc here, uh, the team goes to Hong Kong to hang out with Rory Campbell. I, I told you about him a little bit. He's, he was uh, Moira's research assistant at Mirror Island for a while, uh, who learned that he is destined to become Ahab in the Days of Future mm-hmm. Past reality. And so, you know, over the course of things, he loses his leg and, you know, quits Mirror Island because he's afraid it's making him hate mutants. And then he, but he has all of this like knowledge about legacy virus research. And so he goes and gets a job with uh, Sebastian Shaw. Uh, And the whole time he's like, no, it's fine. Uh, You know, Shaw's a cool guy. Don't worry about it. Like once you get to know him, like he's done all these great things for me. He got me this fake leg. Also, I dress like Ahab now. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) And I have my little white tufts like Ahab. Yeah. Well, he always had that. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, at the end of the issue, they're out to dinner and stupid ass Ogun (laughs) possesses, remember him, the annoyance. He possesses Kitty for like four pages. It it makes sense a little bit because he taught her her ninja training uh, back in the day. But anyway, it was, it's just in here so that there'd be a fight scene in the issue because there was no reason for it otherwise. Uh. so again, they're like, are you sure we could trust Shaw? Yeah, of course, he's fine. The team splits up on different Shaw chartered planes. Colossus and Megan head to Paris. Colossus is like, hey, wait, I thought we were flying to Paris. Why are we in the Swiss Alps right now? And he walks up to the cockpit and the, the pilot has a suicide bomb vest on and is currently crashing the plane into a mountain. Oh, wow. Obviously, they both survive, like minor injuries, whatever. And over the next two issues, Colossus carries Megan all the way to Mount Wondegore, which I looked it up. That's in the <laughs> fucking Balkans. Like, oh. <laughs> like either, either, you know, the X office has no idea about European geography and assumes that we don't either. Or in the space of an issue and a half, Colossus walks clear through Italy, Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, and Serbia to get to Wondegore and Transia. Okay. I, yeah, I Google Maps it as best I could, and it's. A- <laughs> oh, this is the level of obsession we've come to. Yeah, you know, all for content, right? <laughs> anyway it would be about a thousand and sixty five miles or 352 straight hours of walking so just to give you a, a sense of this you know sliding time scale <laughs> uh so they end up in wondegore and uh the new men you know bova and all of them are like 
hey, you know, we're we're under attack from Exodus right now. And we've got Luna, Quicksilver and Crystal's daughter. And oh, uh, yeah, I know that this happened this long ago. <laughs> it <laughs> it, it it's happened several times because I've already read, you know, like a side story in my pack of an, an issue of Avengers a couple years ago where uh, it's Quicksilver and the Avengers versus Exodus and the Acolytes and one uh, set in Mount Wondegore. But that time they're attacking Mount Wondegore as a as a you know a front to mutant primacy because this is artificial evolution that the high evolutionary is doing and this time they're after the you know magneto's granddaughter but anyway it this is the main sort of storyline of this arc of excalibur and really all it was was to set up this one little editor caption here because they're like okay yeah yeah we'll, we'll help you fight exodus like cool we're we're in we're superheroes this is kind of our thing and high evolutionary is like no Nah, I'm too proud to take any help with this. So I'm just going to send you off. You guys said you were going to Paris, right? Cool. I'll teleport you to Paris. No big deal. I got this. And the whole thing is really just to set up this one editor caption that says, as continued in Quicksilver number one on sale next month. It's like, come the fuck on, guy. Like, Uh, you you really spent like three issues to just not even like a setup for a different (laughs) storyline but like a commercial (sighs) anyway the other things that happened so i mentioned that they they split off when they left hong kong in in three different shaw chartered jets nightcrawler and pete wisdom went to germany doing some spycraft shit wisdom's investigating his friend's death they both get captured and rain and kitty go back to mirror island but then rain leaves again for a new mutants reunion which apparently is another miniseries that they have to set up and she makes out with Douglock on her way out which was interesting uh she had this huge crush on doug ramsey uh and really blamed herself when he died because he jumped in front of a bullet that was going after her in excalibur she's basically the whole time doug has been back she and kitty have been trying to sort of make their peace with the fact that doug Locke isn't this isn't doug ramsey this is a different person he doesn't have the memories yada 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 so yeah this is sort of like a, a different thing maybe hopefully she's gone through the the character ringer enough times of like is it really doug no it's not really doug but is it really doug no it's not really doug you sure really remind me of doug no okay i accept it it's not doug now they make out so hopefully it's a new thing and we won't have to do the is it really doug uh storyline again but i don't have high hopes (laughs) next is daydreamers backstory on this Onslaught and the heroes die. Franklin Richards is orphaned, holding this mysterious blue ball. He goes to the Generation X school where Artie and Leech are already sort of junior wards. He hangs out with them. And the rest of the cast, Howard, Tana Nile, and Thing, just sort of accumulate around them over the last few issues in preparation for this mini. Then in Generation X 25, when Black Tom attacked the Massachusetts school, Black Tom, not Trevor Fitzroy, man thing teleports them all away to to safety (laughs) first off all throughout this series uh, franklin calls man thing mr salad 
<laughs> and it never gets old. It's just so endearing the entire time. So yeah, the whole series, they're chased by this, sh- uh, this shadow creature and they're going through what we're led to believe is the nexus of real- of all realities uh, via Man-Thing's connection to it, to all these different sort of fantasy realms. The first one is called Never Never Narna Osbia. All the characters are like Marvel characters who are pastiche with fairy tales. So like there's a Tweedle Hulk and like the Wicked Scarlet Witch. And uh, <laughs> the best one, in my opinion, is Strange, who oh is the good witch. And they're, they are this uh, like fantastically gender non-conforming drag queen-ish character. This this is the type of presenta- character presentation who would like totally be a punchline in 1997. But obviously I think they're fucking fantastic. By you know? the eyeliner of Agamotto. Yes, by the eyeliner of Agamotto. Just fantastic makeup, mustache, tiara, blonde wig. Dainty pink star wand, just the the whole works. Fantastic. So yeah, they're reality hopping. So the next one that they go to is this Dr. Dr. Seuss world where everyone, Hmm. including the narrator caption, speaks in rhyming couplets. And then the third one is this sort of alternate duck world, aka Howard's home reality, except in real duck world, everybody hates Howard's guts and in this one they all love him um (laughs) through it all they kind of come to realize wait this none of this is real some weird sort of fuckery is going on and Franklin has been really sort of awkward and and withholding the whole time turns out whole thing is not nexus of all realities it's all Franklin's reality warping powers he's using his powers to create these worlds and these characters in it and finally he creates these sort of two-dimensional versions of his parents and the shadow monster that's been chasing them the whole time is his own grief and the other the others sort of realize what's going on they help the shadow catch up to him and uh, once they sort of have this connection, then uh, Franklin is able to sort of finally face the reality that his parents are dead and he starts to grieve, except surprise, they're not dead. He shunted them off into a pocket reality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> right. <laughs> Last thing is Generation X. Recap here. Mentioned Generation X 25. That was the last sort of issue that we went through in the pod. In it, Mondo was revealed to be a plant clone created by Black Tom, uh, who attacked the Massachusetts school, captured Chamber Husk, M, Skin, and Sink, and left them floating on a plant raft in the middle of the ocean. Jubilee, on the other hand, was captured by Bastion, who was just there for no apparent reason. And Bastion took her back to operation zero tolerance uh place and uh black tom was told by banshee that he'd let the kids go if he killed emma she used her powers to sort of take control of him and use his powers to attack her but at you know a point at which would help her fake her death not actually kill her anyway penance sliced back to black tom's throat to end it uh, but now emma penance and banshee are like, where the hell are our students? So the second issue of the arc, is, the first one's mostly recap. The second one is Jubilee in captivity. 
Bastion's doing this sort of psychic interrogation and showing her all of these false images of like different members of the X-Men being tortured. And it's really just a great character study of Jubilee. Man, this reread's really making me appreciate Jubilee. She's a fantastic character. There's just like so much in her like bluster and like the way that she talks to avoid, you know, her feelings or cover them up. And it's just like layers of like bluster and tough talk and vulnerability and nerves and strength. And it kind of all really comes through in this issue. And the, the head of it is Bastion is showing Jubilee this illusion that Wolverine has been captured and is being tortured. You know, he's just under this immense pain and Jubilee is about at her breaking point. And then Logan says, please stop. And that's where Jubilee sees through it. And she's just like, nope, nope, you're full of shit. Could do anything to Logan. He'll never beg. So that was cool. You also get sort of a glimpse into potential uh, origin of Bastion because we still don't know what the heck he is at this point. Mm. And then the issue ends with this sort of black and white punk zine style comic of Jubilee doing a cooking show, which I really enjoyed. Uh, and then the the last issue of the arc follows the rest of the students on the plant raft. So turns out that the place in the middle of the ocean where Black Tom sent all of these students is the former site of Krakoa after oh. it got blasted off into space. Huh. And this is pure retcon headcanon here. But seeing as how in Donovex... Black Tom and Krakoa have this connection. Oh. You know, no one could have ever made this an editorial foresight or afterthought or had an intentional <laughs> thing out of this at all, but makes me go, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> why is Black Tom and Krakoa, you know, why did they choose them to have this intense connection in, in, yeah. in Dawn of X? Well, yeah, maybe there is always something there. Probably not. We can we can head retcon it to be so. That's um, wild. Yeah. So in this last issue, Glorian, Shaper of Dreams, shows up. I had forgotten about this guy, but apparently he was in Annihilation. Anyway, he has this like reality bending slash wish fulfillment power. So it starts with like all of the kids having like what seems to be everything they ever wanted, like. Paige is a couple with uh, Chamber. Chamber has his face and chest again. Sink has like a daycare center. He's like helping out a bunch of kids. And Monet has her brother Emplate back, but he's not a vampire. Uh, but Skin is <laughs> tied up on the mast of the ship, just like dripping mm-hmm. away in the sun. And Glorian's like, what the hell, dude? Like... <laughs> You don't, you don't want anything? Like, I can get you. It's cool. And Skin's like, nah, I don't do that. I, I don't do wishes. Like, I live in the real world. And by the way, all of your wish fulfillment here is bogus. Like, this isn't, this isn't what everyone actually desires. Like, Everett wants to make a difference. He doesn't just want to babysit. Jonna wants to be loved for who he is, not what he used to be. Paige, last thing she wants is to be taken care of, no matter how much she thinks she does. Monet just wants to belong. <laughs> Your problem, Shaper, you didn't look hard enough or deep enough because maybe you were afraid you couldn't deliver. <laughs> and so he gets really pissed off and he's like, you want to do something for me? Fine. Give me, a, get, us, get us all out of here. 
and so he teleports them back to uh, Los Angeles, back to Watts, Angelo's hometown. Huh. And so then <laughs> Emma and Banshee and Penance are still on their way out to Krakoa or the former site of Krakoa to rescue the kids. They don't get there yet, so they won't, they're not going to find out yet that they're not there anymore. But this is really the first time that Emma and Sean like regard each other as friends and co-confidants. And, you know, like realize like how scared and disturbed they each are of, of losing the kids and how much they each care about this. And they hug it out. And uh, man, how awesome is hugging as a plot device? <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah. It like you can get so much across with just like a caring embrace. Right. Oh, my yeah. gosh. The return of Nightcrawler. There, there, oh. there's, there's a cell that damn near brought me to tears mm. it was wolverine finds him oh and um and it's just oh man it's it's heartbreaking i'm gonna find it but keep talking yeah <laughs> they're such good buds such good drinking buddies this oh oh buddy yeah you can it's just such a good one you can just see the relief and the the care on on wolverine's face yeah, so Wolverine is just like going through this Arctic tundra. He's losing like faith in himself and, mm. and just like he's losing his drive and like he just falls over and just kind of like he's gonna just let himself freeze. And mm. then Kurt as a voice off screen on the page before this is a full page. Yeah, um, pick it's splash um, panel or splash, page, yeah. yeah. Off screen, he says something like, what's going on, my friend, or something like that. Something something that only Kurt would say, you know? Right, yeah. And he looks up, and then you have the next uh, page that's just that. And you're just mm-hmm. like, that's oh, awesome. my gosh. Yeah. Oh, just because Kurt died. <laughs> yeah. And and of all of the rebirth stories, this this one, this one, this one was up there. Mm, that's so, awesome. So well. That's, that's really good to hear. So, yeah final little topic to bring it home i want to try a synthesis here of you complaining about one shots and me complaining about continuity <laughs> okay right All yeah right. You, ta- you you said you had a something something in mind yeah so marvel comics are this ongoing sort of iterative folklore right like real a folktale process slow iteration where one storyteller builds on the last builds on the last builds on the last and it creates these sort of long-running deep lore narratives but obviously we both accept this part obviously that chaotic of a system can't be perfectly coherent Mm -hmm. so the way it works in a practical sense is the good stuff sticks gets referenced over and over again is the stuff that actually gets built on bad stuff just gets forgotten Uh you know how i'm saying always saying that i want a good story that stands on its own with like the soap opera to me i'm invested in it because i have read this much of it but like that's not enough for me to want to actually read comics like and (laughs) like get my full enjoyment out of it you know like what i really want is a good story with that stands on its own with a beginning middle and end yeah and what you're always saying you're looking for something with lasting soap opera relevance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I see where you're going. I there think is, this, there is yeah, an overlap. 
Exactly. Exactly. They're, they're, I think the secret is that they're one in the same. Mm. Like when there is a good story with a beginning, middle and end, that's what gets used for the soap opera. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's it, in a more lasting and real way than like, oh, we like upset this status quo or we had this change to their powers. It's going to be written away in a couple months or, you know, or, oh, this character died. JK, they're coming back. But like the things that get retold and referenced again and adapted into other media, like the sort of folkloric process, the, the thing that becomes canon by repetition. I think that comes from the good stories that stand on their own. Yes. So <laughs> I agree. The counter to my own desire yeah. about one shots <laughs> that falls kind of in line with your point, but I guess it depends on how. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Got to rearrange yourself in the chair here. Center yourself. <laughs> so death of Captain America. Yes. So Brubaker had this run of Captain America and issue 25. He kills Captain America. Yep. It's at the height of civil war. It's sort of, you know, a political allegory about division, but it's also the culmination of this two-year character study. Yeah. Issues 21 through 24 are the civil war issues. And then at the end of civil war, Cap surrenders and is being taken to court and on the way to court, he sees a sniper laser on the back of the policeman in front of him. Cap is like, no, no, we, it's, they can't keep going like this. <laughs> yeah. And he shoves the guy out of the way and he gets shot and then he yep. dies. You got to get him. Makes, makes headlines. The world loses their minds. Blah, blah, blah. So blah, blah, blah. Yep. there is a one shot after this mm-hmm. called The Death of Captain America. Right. And it's four maybe five issues all single issues of how different characters dealt with the news of the death of captain america yeah that is a great one shot yeah nothing happens (laughs) (laughs) um and depending on your definition there isn't really a beginning middle and end that's true yeah it does it does it doesn't stand on its own yeah yeah it's just different characters grieving in their own ways that's a really good point yeah but it is such a good one shot it and is it's also the... like an establishment it like it's a really good story on its own it also you can argue that it's sort of an establishment of like continuity beats as far as like what is the relationship between all these characters and Captain yeah. America? What does he mean to them? Like, right. you know, that things that got picked up, for example, later on in uh, Secret Empire, where like, you know, once once uh, Steve Rogers is is, you know, breaks bad or whatever, you have this sort of spelled out connection between these characters that you can that you can draw from and and really use as Mm -hmm. uh jumping off points for interpersonal conflicts yeah and you can really dive into like with secret empire it's like who would follow cap without question exactly yeah 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 and that was a great character study in its own Uh but for the one shot like and Mm -hmm. also um endangered species yeah yeah um slightly less so for the counter argument because it it's 
it has kind of a beginning, middle, and end mm-hmm. in the sense that it follows Hank McCoy yep. and how far he goes to try to find the mutant gene again. Yeah, to reactivate the mutant gene and stop his... Um, we really ought to stop calling them a species because they can interbreed with humans just fine and have viable <laughs> offspring. But, you so know... Two mutants can have a kid and not have any mutant powers. Right. Like Graydon. Yeah, it's they're just humans. But anyway... You know, their genetic marker, their race, I suppose, after it's been erased by Scarlet Witch at the end of House of M. Yeah, trying to go through every means that he possibly can, including dealing with his worst enemies to Mm -hmm. find a way to awaken it and and rescue his people so that they're not a genetic dead end. Yeah. And so both those one shots spawn from a tragic event Mm. um Mm -hmm. but they they don't they don't necessarily add to the mythos they don't they don't add something to pull from later i guess i guess they're they're both kind of like sort of character studies in how they deal with trauma yeah Mm -hmm. uh or like external trauma right but um, but you're right in that they 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 aren't stories that entirely stand on their own because they do they are both in response to a different event uh-huh. and they both <laughs> set up future i mean endangered species kind of sets up messiah complex but yeah but you don't need to you don't no. you don't really need to read no. endangered species like they 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 they're not in continuity in terms of like issue number right you know they're, I mean, it, they're very much yeah. on the side it it set the, i mean there's a difference between setting things up like tonally versus setting things up uh plot wise right yeah yeah true. true 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 but yeah it is uh we what we're looking for is kind of two sides of the same dice yeah, I totally it's not agree. the same coin. There's <laughs> yeah. more than what there's more to a one shot than what the two things we're looking for. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, yeah, it's a good, it's a, it's a good point. And and not just one shots, but I think comics in general. Like, I want, I want a story that like my main criteria is like, did I enjoy reading this? Right. You know, was this well executed? Was it a good story? You know, well told, and and you have more of a, a a priority towards what did this add? What did this, you know, how can, why do how can I this, care? Yeah. Why, how, how can this like rich in my experience of the rest of it? Yeah. And, and, and that is a, a side effect of the ridiculous stance that I have mm-hmm. of forcing myself to read all of <laughs> sure. Marvel 616. But I will know, say though, I yeah. haven't been reading there's one title that I haven't been reading because it's, Uh-oh. it's not, I don't like it. And I, and I hate, I hate, wow. I wow. hate saying that. Wow. I hate it, dude. The, um, no, that I'm, I'm less shocked that you don't like something and more shocked that not liking something would get you to not to read it. Reading it. It's because it's a continu- <laughs> because it's an ongoing series. If it was, if it was a one shot, 
I mean, other than the first the X-Men. Other yeah. than the first X-Men. Right. Um, if it was if it was something that I knew was gonna end after four volumes, uh-huh. cool. It's on like volume 12. What is this? Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Oh, buddy. Dude. Oh, I mean, for so, reference, that's the like one of the two series that I have read in yes. this in this period of time. I it's know. just it's just different. It's just not. It's, it's just not. It, it's dense as hell. It is text it, heavy. It is and text I heavy. I love the editor notes along the bottom of every single page. Yeah. But it takes so much more time it, and it takes you out of the story every it single is a time. Commitment. Yeah. It's, it's. And I can imagine reading one issue a month uh-huh. and yeah. doing that. But that reading six issues in a row yeah. is it, it like, I don't get excited about reading that. <laughs> It's it's like it takes me a week to read just one volume. Wow, yeah, I love Ryan North's style of humor. Like you know, I had read dinosaur comics for many many years, and I have his Hamlet book <laughs> called uh, <laughs> "To Be and or Not to Be." It's a choose your own adventure book. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> like I I think he's a tremendously funny person, and yeah. but it's a real acquired taste of a sense of humor like there are years where i'm just like i cannot read dinosaur comics anymore like this is too much and your voice is too much and (laughs) yeah and 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 the thing that bothers me is it's not a bad series it's i loved it it's it's not it's not it's it's not your thing yeah so i stopped after they went to the volcano island Okay. And use computer science to win the day. Yeah. I mean, so this is, I love it. It's fun. It's a kid's, it's, a it's so much more actually a kid's book than like almost anything. Like I gave, I, I gave all my issues to Katie's kid, Lily, mm. you know, when I moved, when I moved here, like, yeah, it's just all comics are like nominally for kids, but like, if you really look at the subject matter and you know that it, it's really not mm-hmm. it's for and like, adult it's children fun, like it's fun koi boy is hilarious <laughs> koi like, boy the, the, the characters Hunk. they brought in chipmunk yeah. koi boy uh whatever her roommate's name is bass lass um <laughs> yeah and and uh having actual like studied computer science yeah. and like actually correct college level um, yeah intellect and conversation it's cool yeah. um yeah. getting to meet door and and Lorene, uh her parents <laughs> was weird and hilarious yeah um, her name's fact- doreen her parents are named yeah. dorian and Lorene. yeah <laughs> not dorian it's just door um, it's just door his oh, name God. is just door d-o-r <laughs> like to to meet them uh was great and and the and <laughs> like having them just be like yeah we didn't know what to name our child so we just gave her both of our names like <laughs> that was a hilarious conversation and like it's not a bad book it's just it's just hard to read you know you know what you know what's messed up is Mm -hmm. uh in my head it fits in the same realm as like reading a novel interesting um, it's just too much work (laughs) apparently like here's the i am inherently because of how little i do it i'm a slow reader 
Yeah. And, and that's a large factor in not reading novels. Yeah. Like when, when the times that I've tried to get myself into um, chapter books and novels and stuff, it takes me an hour to read a chapter. Yeah. And it's not, and it's not because I'm like getting distracted and looking around. Mm -hmm. I'm just that slow of a reader. I ingest it really well. And I remember all the details of all the things I've read. Totally. But it takes so long. (laughs) And so when I put a book down and I want to come back to it, I have to look at the clock and be like, do I have two and a half hours Uh to go and spend on this book? And so when I look at uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, girl i'm holding the volume all like five issues of it and i'm like do i have an hour and a half two hours three hours to just sit and read through this or am i going to read one issue and then get back to what i needed to go do come back and force myself back into the next issue for sure it it was just it was bad like i it it stresses it didn't stress me out but it stressed me out to tell you because (laughs) i know you really liked it yeah it'd be like it'd be like I, uh, uh, Miss Marvel and Unbeatable Squirrel Girl are like the two that you were most excited about back when we were like living together. Yes, like yeah, and 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 so like they were the only two that I like bought. Yeah, like month so, to like, month. I guess Black Panther, uh, Tana Hissy Codes is Black Panther for a little while. Like, but those yeah. are like the only Marvel floppies that I was buying. Yeah, so like it was cool. It was exciting, and just as I as excited I'm as I am about like having the Dawn of X titles, it's a book that both of us are reading. Yeah. And so like the type of conversations we can have are very different yeah. than here's what I read. Here's what I want you to take away from it. Let's totally. discuss. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's we skip all the meat and we have, <laughs> cause you and I have very different interpretations of the same yeah, book. Totally. So it's, we we're able to just jump into that. And if I'm, if I'm feeding you how you should feel about certain situations, yeah. Like, that can only we can only have so much of a conversation totally so, agree. yep not reading unbeatable squirrel girl makes me so sad but <laughs> it's so tough to read i still buy them yeah <laughs> i have up to volume 12 but i've only read i think volume seven whenever they go to that that vacation okay no island yeah and like i had fun reading it it was just i i, I just have don't to admit have the i drive to come back it was, I would fall behind for, you know, months or years at a time on it and try and binge. And it is hard to catch up on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. Well, do you want to call it a show there? I think we can. Uh, what do you have for next week? Next week, I start Operation Zero Tolerance. The That's crossover exciting. is on. What about you? Okay. I have, it'll be, it's going to be kind of light for me because I I've see it. Three- I see an, I see an X. On your shelf is that's what I was gonna say. So I've got three, I've got three books, and then I'm getting back into X. So okay, um, I have this arrow sword master crap that I'm just not excited about. But then I have Fantastic Four and I have Scream. Okay. Um, and both I am very interested in to see where we're going with it. So uh oh gosh, really? Okay, so on the back, (laughs) on the back (laughs) of the volumes, there's like the the first sentence is always bolded in yeah. um to like catch your eye right the fantastic four one i only read the second half of the sentence but it's uh 
Wow, there's a lot of alliteration. Mm. Long ago, the Fantastic Four's fateful choices forever changed the destiny of a planet 44 light years from Earth. And I'm just like, ah, oh, geez, 44 light years, mm-hmm. huh? You really very... picked that number out of a hat, did you? Yeah. How <laughs> random. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. The um, it's Dan Slott, and he's been having an interesting time. Mm. That there is, I do have a disconnect with Fantastic Four because of their take on their on the multiverse and what they've been doing right. versus what the rest of Six One Six has been establishing about the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> and oh man, the have I? We'll talk about it next week, I guess. Okay, sounds <laughs> good, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll have to talk about. We're going to talk about eternity and um, oh, okay. And, uh, where I think they just missed the mark on okay. a potential that they could have done. Oh, all right. Looking forward oh, to it. Bummed. Anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, I'll uh, I'll see you next week. To talk about zero tolerance. I'm stoked on that. Yeah, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna hopefully get through the whole thing this week. Excellent. So. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. All right. Okay. Always a pleasure talking to you. You want to yeah, send this out? We're gonna put the outro music. Uh, no, no. There it is. There it is. Come in. Okay. <laughs>